I accidentally left half of a boiled egg under my bed. Failure Show. I'm Ben Frank. And I'm Ida Knox. And uh, we are recording this earlier in the day than we than we normally do. We are. Um, around, around midday. Which like shouldn't feel like it's that early, but definitely has vibes of being very early. Yeah, you know, normally we normally we like to ease into the day and kind of do this later in the in the afternoon. I'm actually is... having trouble easing into today. I'm out of coffee in my apartment. Mm, oh, out of out of coffee. Well, and also your French press. I got a new one. You got it. Okay. For those know. of you who may not be following my personal life that closely, there was a saga of my French press, which was that the woman who cleans my apartment kept putting it in weird places around the apartment, and I was not sure that she knew what it was. Like I don't think she knew it was a coffee pot. And then one day she broke it and she left me a note in Chinese. Like she would leave it like next to my bed or like on my bookshelf or like in places where I was not sure. And she wouldn't have cleaned it. So she like, I wasn't sure that she knew it was coffee coming out of it. And then one day she broke it and she left me a note that was like, I'm so sorry. I was clumsy and I broke your coffee pot. And I was like, holy shit, she definitely knows it was a coffee pot. It was a huge moment for me. I bought a new one on Taobao. That's really the whole story. Right. So. <laughs> but some of my friends followed along for like months of being like, well, she came this week. Like, where did she put it? And it would be like, on the bookshelf. Why? Like, what does she think it is? But just a French press and she knew it. Yeah. Okay. So then, but so you got a... You bought a new one? Yeah. But you but you don't have any actual coffee in your apartment? Nope. Okay. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this is this is constantly a source of, I don't want to say friction, but like a little bit between us, it's just like you're like, you're always like, eh, drink coffee, and I'm like, I don't drink coffee, and you're like, what's wrong with you? It's, a, it's not just a source of friction with you, it's a source of friction like with my boyfriend too, because I'll be like... Well, didn't you say you've... All the guys you've dated haven't drank coffee or yeah, something? Yeah, they're atheists who don't drink coffee. That's like the... Common. That's your type. That's my type. Atheists who don't drink coffee. Um, and it's rough because like for me, until I have my like second cup of coffee in the morning, I don't want to talk to people. I don't want to look at people. Like if I have sex, it needs to be silently because like I don't want to have a conversation before I have coffee. <laughs> so like it needs to be some really quiet morning sex so that I like can have coffee afterwards. And like, and right now I don't have any coffee and it's just been, a, it's been a rough intro into the day without it. Okay. So I guess, I guess the message is there that, uh, if we're, she's trying to record this podcast as quickly as possible so that we can, that you can remedy this, uh, this coffee. He's not wrong. Situation. <laughs> very, very antsy. Peel it, peel it okay, off. Yeah, and I'm peeling at my like nail polish. Okay, I'm gonna. I'm an adult. I just need a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I guess we'll we'll indulge you and try to try to get through this podcast as quickly as possible. We do have a really nice show for you today, so uh, let's just go right into fail or pass. Fail or pass. Okay, this is uh, fail or pass. The 
segment where we talk about stuff and Ida gets mad. Yes. <laughs> um, I get worked up about things. Yeah, she, she does. And uh, for this segment, let's welcome our uh, guest for the week, uh, Alina Levitska. Did yes. I did I pronounce that yes, correctly? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good good guess. Nice. Um, okay, let's um, let's get right into it. Ida, do you want to share your story? I do, first? I, I want to share it so bad. Okay. So my story is from the Times, but it's from the fashion and style section. And the title is Mud Smeared Jeans Question Mark. Things may get messy. Um, basically, the I'll show you guys the picture. Um, the, the idea of the story is that this brand at Nordstrom, which is like a huge whoops, okay. um, fashion thing, is selling clothes that are intentionally designed to look like they're covered in mud. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And they're selling them for, I think the jeans are running for 425 US dollars. That's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, especially for um, no jeans sold in the U.S. are worth four hundred and twenty-five dollars. Okay. Ben is obviously not buying like fashion jeans, but like some girls, some brands of jeans do run around like I would say like two hundred and fifty to three hundred dollars a okay. pair for like really nice jeans, or like if you're buying like Joe's jeans or something like right. just relatively common to be doing. But these are like I would say twice the price of what most people consider to be nice jeans. So my pass or fail here, because it does seem like an immediate fail, and people are like, oh, like, this is the dumbest thing we've ever seen ever, right? Yeah. Um, on social media. But my pass or fail is, um, like, kind of kind of the company, but mostly just, like, the way overinflated reaction to it, because I feel like with something like this, like, if some... If someone wants to buy it, like they can buy it. So I'm not saying like we should, people should be buying $425 jean jackets that look like they're covered in mud. But I do think that like if a company wants to make it and a person wants to buy it, then like, okay. Yeah. It doesn't hurt me. It doesn't, it doesn't affect me in any way. So like the overblown social media reaction to it with everybody being like, these people are the stupidest people in the whole world and like, why would anyone ever? I mean, I also kind of agree. Like, why would you buy that? But the amount of emphasis that it received is my pass or fail criterion for the article. Depending okay. how much they invested and how much they made from their first or only sales. <laughs> if they still made some money, then they didn't fail. Right. Yeah. Like, if somebody wanted to buy it and like look rugged in Americana. Yeah, I mean, for me, this just <clears throat> this seems like a natural extension of just the jeans with holes phenomenon, like the pre-cut holes in the jeans that were pretty popular, like fifteen years. I want to say like, the jeans that like I occasionally wear on the weekends that have holes in them. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was like super popular ten to fifteen years ago. Exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I feel like this. I feel like this is just a little bit like more extreme version of that. It's like ooh your jeans they look like they've been working hard they've got holes in them well now they've got mud all over them well if fashion wise I would say it's a failure yeah because no people didn't wear um, clothes made of meat that's true there was stuff like that and it's disgusting right and then mm. there is certain ethics in whatever you create even if it's clothes so I feel like I, I would say it's a failure on one side but if they made money on it it's uh, 
it sounds like you're failing it. Or... I, I'm passing it. Oh, you're passing it. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm failing the people who are like this up in arms about it, but I'm passing it in terms of like, as a, a designer, they can choose to design whatever they want. And I think that like sales should be what dictates like whether they pass or fail. And if they make money off of it, then like, sure, it was mm-hmm. an idea that worked. Yeah. So. I mean, I don't think there's, I don't think there's anything, uh, in, you know, explicitly wrong with it. It's just, I, I, I don't know if you, it, it just seems like if you're, if you're buying these, you're, you're trying to give people a false impression of who you are to some degree. Fair enough. Mm, yeah, I agree. Um, I would say ideally the idea fail, but just because we are talking about it right now and they made an ad and there are followers and viewers that's pass for sure yeah just because it's right there okay let's uh move on to my story then yeah what Um, you got this is i don't know maybe a slightly more serious topic (laughs) uh it's uh, it deals with uh, dr john john who is a uh, reproductive doctor in reproductive medicine uh, who has an office in columbus circle in new york city he's one of the more prominent guys in the field uh, in in the world in, in the U.S. and uh, I guess for someone contacted him about National Infertility Awareness Week. Okay. And he said he said he honestly like didn't know that much about the campaign, but in order to kind of you know because his services are like normally very expensive. Yeah. To try to make um, them a little more accessible, he decided that he would hold a lottery to give away 30 in vitro fertilization cycles at no cost amounting to roughly a million dollars worth of treatment yeah and all people need to do is submit some basic information to like his clinic's website okay to be entered into the lottery okay so i don't know do you did anything like bad happen from it or is that just i I don't know if anything bad has happened but uh it's it's kind of just an interesting, like, yeah. Is the issue with in vitro that you had that it's, like, a serious thing to be, like, running a Yeah, and also it's just, like, invariably in this situation there would be lots of people who thought, like, they had no chance of having children who get their hopes up and then they're, of course, going to lose and then they'd yeah. probably be more, more depressed about it, but... Yeah, I, I. But I don't know. I mean, I honestly like for people that are in that situation, and I am so obviously not in that situation. But you have to imagine that like they go through that kind of thing a lot because they're prepping to go through that exact kind of thing. In vitro is not a guarantee that you will get pregnant and have a kid anyway. So if you're like trying to do in vitro, you're already signing up to try to get your hopes up and potentially be hugely disappointed. So I'm not saying that like just because you're signing up for it on one end, you deserve it everywhere. <laughs> but, but like you deserve you, to be disappointed. But it's, it's part of I think the process of doing that is like people who are already in that position of like trying to go through in vitro to have kids are already sort of mentally in a place where they're like, oh we know that this like might not work and like we're already not doing ideal so for 30 people to like get to do that i don't know i think it's a good thing okay and Uh if his business was going down it was a good promotion yeah you give some free stuff 
people yeah. come back. <laughs> yeah, it's a, yeah, it's definitely like raising raising awareness, and I think that that's that was the point of like the campaign of the yeah. National Infertility Week. And I uh, overall, I think it's I, I think it's fine. I'll give it I'll give it a pass. I don't think that there's anything wrong with it, and in the end, it it should do more help. Yeah. Than than harm. Yeah, Alina, any uh, uh, last thoughts on that? <laughs> on this topic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I would say it's a pass. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Passes all around. Okay, well, okay. awesome. That's been, uh, that's been Fail or Pass. Let's, uh, let's move on to the next segment. Mm-hmm. Failure of the week! Okay, let's, uh, let's get started here with our little failures of the week. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm always excited for it. But, okay, I don't know if people... I, I want to use one that I already told Ben about. That's because fine. Because it was such a failure. Um, I So, yesterday, I accidentally lit my bath towel on fire. Wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was like... It was, it was truly an accident. So... I was doing I was doing that thing that girls do when you have like eight hours alone to kill, and I was like on my bed, and then I was like, oh, I should like tweeze the hairs on my knee or something weird, <laughs> you know? Like it's just like a funny. It's just like a thing that you do when you're like by yourself. So I like took a shower, and then I was like, oh, like put my bath towel on my bed, so like my tweeze knee knee hairs they like won't get on my bed. Okay, look. Women out there completely understand what I'm talking about. Absolutely. Yeah. It's such a real thing. So I was like, okay, this is fine. But then I was like, oh, like, you know, I'm just like, it's just me. Like, I'll light a candle. You know, I'm just like hanging, tweezing my knee hairs. And, and then I like put the candle down. I just lit it. Um, but it was like one of those Ikea tall candles and it had a bit of like plastic still wrapped around it and I had just lit it and it was new, but the plastic caught on fire and then the piece of plastic like fell off the candle Mm -hmm. onto my bath towel and I like realized what was happening and like my towel was sort of like smoldering on the corner and I was like, shit. And then I had to like move the candle so I didn't pour wax all over my bed. It's just this like whole endeavor. Um, so that was my failure of the week. Now my bath towel has this like charred <laughs> spot on it where I'm like, oh, that was less than ideal. Um, so that's my failure of the week. I accidentally burned part of like part of my bath towel off. Yep. Nice. Nice. It reminded me my failure, but it was not this week. It's okay. Yeah, this is fine. <laughs> I tell you two failures. Yeah, you can have two failures. Okay. The, the, yeah. the first one was... Uh, it's not this week. I tried to paint batik. You know, when you put wax first on the material and then you paint and then you take wax away. So I, I learned it in Malaysia when I went there. I took a class and I decided that I can do it myself at home, even though I don't have a special equipment to burn the wax. Oh. Uh oh. Yeah. So I put the, I took the just regular pot. I put their wax, which I bought. It was a special one. And I started, I didn't have um, the special thing to put it in, so I used my old can, which was, which had, obviously there was some um, stuff which gets on fire. It's like some chemical, but I didn't know. So I put the wax in and I started, you know, slowly boiling it till it all went on fire. And the fire was so high that the the stuff which is over the cooker 
you know, the one which sucks the fan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The fans kind of started slowly burning too. Oh, <laughs> but no. But you know what? I used, I used to be sure that I never panic in such situations. But for some reason, I, I literally started running like, you know, the people in seams. I was running from one side <laughs> to another. And I was like, what the fuck I should do? What to do? And then, and then I called my friend and I said, I'm burning. My house is burning. She's like, oh my God, can you do something? I'm like, I don't know. And I called Ai. She lives, <laughs> she lives next door. So I just I asked her to come in, and even though I don't speak Chinese, I just showed her. And you know, uh, it's all this mess, me on the phone, running around. It's still not on fire. Just the, just the literally whatever is on the gas cooker. And uh, she came closer. She took the lead, mm-hmm. and she covered it with the lead. She was oh, like, yeah. Kaima. I'm like, Kai. <laughs> so. She saved me. Wow. But it was so ridiculous. That's amazing. Oh I get to the rescue. I, w- I was not aware that I needed a story about setting things on fire because I do not have one. <laughs> that's okay. But, uh, oh, no, that's yeah. that's an that's an incredible story though. Yeah, I, I'm trying not to use it anymore, not to paint like that anymore till I get the right equipment. Yeah, yeah it's just, probably a good yeah. call. Yeah, well, you gotta you gotta learn at some point. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. My failure is just kind of stupid. This past week, I just had a bunch of uh, meetings with external people, and pretty much every time, I forgot to bring my business cards. Ooh. I've become really bad at remembering business cards. Like, I, I feel like every single time I have a meeting now, I'm just like, you know, I'm just especially because it's usually with Chinese people. I'm just like, oh, boy, I used to make diving pian. I didn't like. Oh. Sorry, I didn't bring my business card. I'm just like, that's very unprofessional. Do you have a business card holder? Have you ever had yes, one? Yes, I have one. Yeah, you have yeah. one. I do not have. I do not have. Oh, you should card. definitely get one. The thing is that WeChat is more, or is it an etiquette? You have to have the business card. Or? Well, so like I used to use business cards because I had like a. I worked at like a Chinese company that was very like formal, but now I work in media, mm-hmm. so I just get people's WeChats. Like yeah. I'll be like, oh, let me just get your WeChat, and I haven't. I have business cards, but I don't ever need them. Do you still need them? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we. I mean, sometimes depending on what your. It's interesting. The more, the more Chinese the people are I'm dealing with, like sometimes they'll just go right for the WeChat. Mm-hmm. But if it's a, someone at another international company or another foreigner, usually we'll always do. Oh, the, that's fascinating. Do the so thing. foreigners are the reason that you like have to carry your business cards around. Yeah, I mean, some Chinese people still do it too, but I feel like the people that I tend to meet that I go right to the WeChat with tend to always be like more Chinese yeah. clients or more That's Chinese fair. people, you know, that I could be working with. I made business cards for myself only once and I decided to go with just 40. And uh, it was two years ago. Do I you still, still, I still have, have like half? Yes. Oh, yeah. nice. So you see, that's what I'm asking. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was a good decision then to only get 40. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. Okay. Well, those are our, uh, our failures of the week. So um, we only mostly lit things on fire. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, Alina, you, you mentioned that when you were lighting something on fire, that came because you were trying to do this kind of painting. Yeah, yeah, this kind of painting, and like you, you do, you do a lot of painting, right? Yes, I'm an artist. Okay. Yeah, I feel like we don't really know your story super well. I have, I have lots of stories. To yeah. Think. So how? I mean, how did you get into you know? In painting or being that sort of like a that's, like visual artist that's another failure i guess of my life yeah <laughs> i've been painting all my life uh but 
um, when I started, when I graduated from school, I graduated super early. I was 15 mm. uh, because I started early and uh, I was asking my mom to help me get into design faculty, like some university where, where I could study arts. Mm-hmm. And um, it was uh, ten more than 10 years ago when I graduated. So not from the university, from the school. And my mom said, you'll never make your living being an artist or a designer. So she, we had a big argument and she said, you are not going to study this. You're going to study English, linguistics. Even though at school we had a very good level of English. So by graduating, I was basically almost bilingual. Yeah, so I studied linguistics. And um, after that, I... I, I always wanted to paint and I was doing it just like a piece of paper, you know, and pencil, was drawing. And then uh, after I graduated, um, my boyfriend gave me a present for birthday. He gave me an easel and a pack of oils. Oh. And I've never, I was like, are you sure? He's like, yeah, just try. So I tried. When I'm looking at my first painting, I'm like, geez. This was horrible, <laughs> so bad. And uh, but maybe it would go into a different style nowadays because I moved from there to photorealism, okay. and I don't paint anymore expression. It's just more photorealism. Yeah, so just for the sake of all of our listeners, where were where was this that you were in school? Uh, Ukraine. Okay. Yeah. And your is your mom? What does your mom do? Is she an artist? My mom is, she... is a pianist. She's oh. a pianist. She never worked as a pianist. She studied in um, in north of Russia, so it was minus sixty Celsius. <sighs> wow! Uh, in winter, so and everyone was dead. Everyone was <laughs> just an ice cube. <laughs> it was super cold. But the and piano then, still worked. It was yeah, it did, <laughs> but it was very hard for them because hands, you know, they would. Yeah, you, how can you play? Yeah, when you're how can you play piano when your hands are frozen? Exactly. This is actually a concept she, that I've never very, run into. But yeah, it was wow. very hard for her. So she wow. had tough life being an artist, and she said, "No, you're not going to." Oh, so it's, yeah, it's and one now, of those things, wow. And now when I'm telling her about, basically now art is what I'm doing full time, and uh, she's always like, I'm so proud of you. I'm like, thank you, thank you, because <laughs> it's tougher now, because I don't, I'm self-taught artist, you know, right. I never studied, like I maybe took a couple of classes here and there just for fun because I was bored and I didn't know at that point how to start myself to paint. But yeah. So so you basically you taught yourself how to paint. Yeah, yeah. And and I didn't even study. Like I didn't l- watch any YouTube videos. I've been just painting. Yeah, just I mean painting. that's the thing. Painting, I mean art in general, but especially painting, like visual art, is so subjective. Like how do you and how do you look at your own painting and say, huh, this needs to be better. This is how I'm going to make it better. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting question because if I'm pretty, I can be very lazy inside, like, you know, and be like, uh, whatever, just I'll, I'll leave it like that. But if I'm, I'm going to keep walking, I would usually I finish the painting, I put it somewhere on the wall or just, you know, on the side so I can observe it. And I would, if I'm finished with it and I'm walking and uh, usually I keep staring at it and I look like creep if somebody <laughs> would just watch me. because. <laughs> I would do something and I would turn, you know, over my shoulder and be like, still watching it and start like trying to examine what is wrong. And if it's still bothering me, I'll come back and I'll fix it. 
till mm. till I don't need to look at it anymore. Till I'm just fed up and I'm like, okay, you are done. You're going. Yeah. So you fix it until it doesn't bother you yeah, anymore. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Especially huh. because I'm now I'm doing photorealism, so it would be also comparing. Okay. Yeah. So you basically yeah. just see photos and then you try yeah. to paint them and recreate them as realistically as you yes. can. Yes, and I think if I had OCD, uh, it would be now very on the edge. <laughs> but yeah. I don't. So I'm a bit OCD only when I'm painting. That's it. It's probably Otherwise, useful for photorealism. Only there in my life, I'm super chill. Like, <laughs> well, really that's good. That. That's good that it doesn't have to carry over because painting is such, so it's so exact and there's such small yeah. details that I could see how you would drive yourself crazy. Exactly, <laughs> <laughs> that does drive me crazy. So how did you how did you get from? like your boyfriend buying you that first set of, of oils and an easel to being a full-time artist in Shanghai, China. <laughs> the funny story is that after that, I went to work on cruises, cruise ships. Huh. I would tell you a lot, but this podcast is not about that. Well, no, what, what were you doing on the cruise ships? Um, for, it's a secret. Uh, for China, I was doing youth counseling but I was a waitress hostess okay so I was working for princess cruises Mm -hmm. they were going around Caribbean Canada Alaska and uh, I was not lucky for three years working there I wasn't lucky to get any world cruise or any European cruise I just got all the furthest from me yeah places but I think it's cool because otherwise I would never been to Alaska yeah and work on cruises is horribly hard it's like you work like a bitch (laughs) (laughs) and that's that's what i've been doing now it was very hard and i i was not it's like you know it's on some point it's very calming because you just work you do your duty you go back and you sleep in peace because you know you did your work for today Mm -hmm. which is on for artists it's now for me it's different so I was working and I was always asking, what am I doing with my life? Because I've never wanted to be any of whatever I was doing on the cruises. My education, my hobbies, is nothing was even close. People were like making careers there, you know, like getting to Metro D and mm-hmm. uh, assistant Metro D was like the highest in the dining section. Mm-hmm. So and they were building their careers and I was looking at them because it would they would go mental like they were crazy people they're creeps all them because they work for 25 years and they keep living their lives there on cruises Mm -hmm. and life on cruises like a small uh universe it's so different it's a whole model of world on like what we are used to but inside of the vessel yeah for six months you basically locked then you go for two months some people have eight nine months contracts it's sick like so crazy crazy. yeah but i'm going away from the point right (laughs) and i quit and uh i came home and for two months i worked in a film studio 
because oh. I used to work in film industry before cruises. Like after I graduated, I worked for a year in a film industry to make my my like my living and to make money to go on cruises because you have to pay before you go. Like you have to uh, pay trainings, fees. Like there is a, a big amount. It's like one thousand dollars. But for Ukraine, when the average salary was one hundred bucks per month, yeah, like I had to work a lot to make my money. And to go Wait, so you have so you have to train to pay money to get the training yeah. so that you can get a job on a cruise ship because you're a marine you have oh, to wow. have a marine training like i have uh, documents as a crew like marine yeah. trained i guess that's not the craziest thing if you think about it like you pay i mean very different but like you pay to go to school to get training for yeah. certain things so that mm-hmm. you can have that job like so you left, yeah. you left cruises, you went yeah. back home, you yeah. worked for two months again in film, in film and then... <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. Now you're still an artist in Shanghai, so we're missing yes. a couple of steps. <laughs> so, while being on cruise, I asked my mom to set me in some um, art course, because usually when you come from contracts, you're kind of damaged, like cruises, mm-hmm. you're damaged, and you want to go back to life and I asked her to find for me something so where I could have a document you know and maybe come back to cruises as a youth coordinator because mm-hmm. I would have some more degrees like more mm-hmm. certification so she put me in a group um, also Guanxi so I came and I was already in and they already had like three months because I arrived in November and they started in September so they already had a certain amount of work and I still wanted to do work so I would work and in the evenings I would go to do the classes and I paint very fast and everybody knows it now around me they all are like my friends artists are just like how are you doing this this is crazy how long did it take you I'm like two hours they're like I would paint for a week this like it would take me a week Mm. so and uh, my teacher was um, I think he was like about 35 and he was super um, making a lot of fun of his students because the students were like 16 and I was 23. So mm-hmm. I was like, Jesus, guys, what the hell? You know, so, and he told me to, that I will never pass the, the, the test because like, you know, there is in the middle, you have to submit certain amount of works. He said, because you won't have enough time. You we need like seven or eight uh, still lives. I was like, okay, I have a five, like how many weeks? Five weeks, you're gonna have sad works it's like it's impossible like so but i did it okay i did it uh it's not they were not teaching us that's why i keep saying that i'm self-taught it was you basically just need to submit works mm-hmm. um he, he didn't really he was not never there there was another teacher who was teaching us uh graphics he was never he was smoking in the corridor all the time and he would like pop in with a cigarette out of the c- class you know he would be like you okay guys oh, all right and he would go back and give, <laughs> finish his cigarette he was he liked to drink and he was fun <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so i was uh, uh doing all this um then i quit the f- film um, work because the director was hitting on me too much and he was middle-aged and he has a wife and it was horrible so I was like uh, I'm quitting this is too much he was putting too much pressure and it was work related he would want to involve me in some movies regular movies okay yeah. and he would be like but there will be a scene where we'll have some nudity and um, you fit to this role I'm like all right bye mm. <laughs> so I, I decided not to and I felt like my life was going to hell. 
Yeah. Like I guess I was I mean, failing, see, yeah, failing it, and failing, right? Yeah, it sounds tough. And one night, I was crying to my mom, hard, like super hard, and uh, that I fainted. I literally fainted from crying. Wow. Uh, because I was like, my life is shit. Mom, I cannot do it. And she said, um, you're fine. Look, you've been all over the world. Look at your classmates. They haven't seen even the ne- neighboring city. And you've been all, you've been to Alaska. Relax. I'm like, I have nothing. I have $1,000 left of my savings. And that's it. But I fainted. And then I came back to census because she put some water on me. And she said, drink water and just uh, calm down. I And usually when I'm this stressed, I need to... People go to sleep, you know? Mm-hmm. They just usually like, I'm depressed. They want to die. And, and I just grabbed my laptop and I was like... And it was so like late at night, maybe mid- midnight. And I was like, I'm going to find the way out right now. And I'm, <laughs> I'm literally opening the laptop. And there are some commercials, advertisements about, come teach in China. Yeah, we've all <laughs> You're seen gonna them. have yeah. a good life here. And and then while doing this, I was also checking the feed in in Facebook mm-hmm. and I saw my friend, she had photos from China. I immediately texted her and for her it was day. Mm-hmm. So she replied me right away and I'm like, So you're in China? What are you doing there? And it's all <laughs> happening in agony. Yeah, just keep yeah. in mind, I'm agonizing. I'm like swollen, my face is swollen from tears. And I'm like, like agonizing all the way. My mom is just watching me from the corner and thinking probably if she needs to call an ambulance <laughs> or something. Yeah. And, so, and my friend says, yeah, I'm in China. I'm dancing. Do you want to come? She's, by the way, now, um, I think she's a world champion in pole dancing, but in a sport. Like, oh, she's shit. doing crazy stuff. No, that's yeah. like really, like really like hardcore. Super cool. wow. Hardcore, yeah. So she was here. She's like, you can come dance because I used to dance before. And I'm like, well, I feel like I'm too old. Like for dancing, it's too much. It's been five years ago. I'm not gonna. She's like, what else do you do? I'm like, oh, I'm, I teach. You know, I, I've been teaching English when I was in the university. So, the beginning of my China life was really tough. I've been teaching English as everyone else. I've been like kindergarten teacher. They kicked me out of apartment when they decided that I'm. It's not good that I'm from Ukraine. So. They didn't pay me my first job. Second job, I worked for seven months. They didn't pay me last month. And they also kicked me out because some of the teachers figured out that I was not from South Africa. Uh. <laughs> it's those times. Yeah. Those dark times. Well, do, you, do you have dark to say that ago. so they thought you were a native speaker? Yeah. There's a lot of, just for, for those listening, there's a lot of like weird prejudice in China about like um, origin rather than qualification when it comes to teaching English mm-hmm. and a lot of emphasis put on being a quote native speaker, even though native speakers do not always necessarily make the most adept language teachers. So. Yeah. yeah, and there's also, I mean, not that that was the case here, but there's also in addition to native speaker requirements, there's there's certainly a lot of racism involved. Yes, a lot of there's oh. a lot I, of. I feel like I'm, it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting field to be in, but there's a reason that Ben and I are both just nodding and saying mm-hmm. like, "Oh yeah, that moment where you're from Ukraine, but you've been pretending for seven months that you're from South Africa." Mm-hmm. Of course, we understand. Yeah, like, and bear in mind, I have master's degree in English teaching, and like I had so much so long experience working with children, and still like, yeah, we don't care. 
Yeah, there's a there's a it's a weird system. Mm-hmm. So and the life there was so boring that I ordered on Taobao. Where um, where were you living Beijing. in China? Oh, you were living in Beijing. Yeah, okay. I was in Beijing. Uh, dark side, but I had good times. Honestly, I really had good times in Beijing. Even though I have so many friends who've been there and they're like, "Oh my God, uh, Shanghai is just like normal life," but out outside is impossible. Yeah, it was actually fine, and um, I just was so bored because my kindergarten was so far away. And I had like going to to the city was only weekends, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I ordered on Taobao a couple of canvases, just a ba- basic set of paints, and I started. And my kindergarten was one like block away from where I lived, so even during the lunch break I would go back, and I would paint. Mm. And by the way, those paintings from that time are now in UVA, bar. In Shanghai. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, if you that's like there. close to here. Yeah, so they're there now. Uh, it's good because I'm moving now. They're big, and I'm happy. I don't need to deal with that now. Oh <laughs> yeah. Around. So yeah, I started painting, and then I moved to Shanghai with my boyfriend at that time, and um, I couldn't find a job. I f- I was ready to teach English. I just said to myself. There, there'll be no kindergarten ever. Mm-hmm. I better like go to KTV. Really, <laughs> it sounds bad, but it's really very honest. And、um, I went to some job fair, and、uh, there was a position for art teacher. Oh. And I was like, ooh, that sounds like me. <laughs> and、um, and they hired me pretty easily because it seems like there's not that much. That that many art teachers in Shanghai,、mm-hmm. legit, like you know, who can really teach. Because、um, even though I'm self-taught, I feel like I can teach much more than if I would graduate. Because I have educational degree, you know, like I know how to teach. I know education, and then it's just about the skills I have. Yeah, I I, I get that because I think that it can be very hard. Like it's like if you have a professional athlete, sometimes try and teach their sport if they've never coached or something.、Mm-hmm. They're not necessarily a good coach. They're just a good player.、Exactly. And it can be it's. Transferring skill versus having skill is is like such a different thing. Yeah. Yeah. So you're an art teacher now, or you're? Yeah. So I worked in the school for one and a half, like one and a half years, and then I decided that I have to go into art more. My boyfriend told me. You have to, you have to quit. You have to be an artist, full time artist. Come on, just do it, just do it. I, can I just, just say that that's a really lucky moment to be in when your boyfriend's telling you to quit your job and be a full time artist. It's like, very lucky. It's very、Maybe、supportive. If you don't break up after two months, <laughs> after you do that after two months. Oh no, so, that's crazy. Because when、How、we started, yeah, when we started everything, I was working, having my own apartment, like I mean, yeah, renting yeah, yeah. and everything. And he was encouraging me, and he he wanted me to live with him when we moved in together. And he said, "You're gonna just live here and be an artist and、mm. everything." And I was like,、mm, "I don't think it's." But okay, you know, it was a moment when you're high on emotions and you're like, "Yay!" So yeah, and I was、um, freelance.、Uh, it was very hard to start because when you're painting, just painting, you're like, "Oh, okay, I'm gonna paint this painting and that painting. I'm gonna paint that and give it to my friend, and I'm gonna put this on my wall." But when you actually don't have to go anywhere, and here you go with all your freedom, with all your time, with all your tools, paints, and all this, and you wake up and you're like, "And now what?" 
<laughs> so I had a month of waking up and be like, so what I'm gonna do? Do some yoga, meditate, or maybe I paint? What to do? <laughs> and my boyfriend was working at that time. He would go to the office every day and I would see his clear day schedule mm -hmm. and I would sit there and don't know because I need an aim when I paint. I need to know why I'm doing this, for what, what project. And yeah. at that time I didn't know that. And I was just, I found out Kate Wood. Have you heard about Kate Wood? No. He does, he does uh, sunglasses, wooden sunglasses, wooden cases for the phones. Oh yeah, I think I, yeah, I think I've seen some of those. And I suggested him to paint on sunglasses. So he decided that it's a good idea and there is a woman would you know, there is a store at Kate Wood and there are some sunglasses hand painted by me. Oh yeah. That's kind of cool. So that was the first thing I started. I started painting and I was painting the sunglasses and it made me feel good. Yeah. Very good though my boyfriend and I broke up in two months. Yeah. And I'm like Dude, you're kidding me, like, I just quit my job, I live here with you in a small apartment, and you just breaking up with me? Like, really? He's like, yeah, you can live here, and you can keep your stuff, and, but we're not together anymore, and, uh, and he, he proposed to me before that. I was like... Whoa. I think yeah. you have more ups and downs in this yeah. story than, like... Yeah. I don't know. I've maybe well, ever had my whole life. Um, yeah, this is incredible. <laughs> Sorry that we're not doing a good job of asking questions. Okay. I'm just like avidly <laughs> staring at her like, uh-huh, and then what happened? Uh-huh, and then what happened? Like, tell me, whole, tell me more. It's a whole book. So, um, that that time I did my website and I was a bit promoted, self-promoted and stuff. And um, he said, you can live here, but it was a small apartment um lane house so we would just like literally face each other every moment of every day and i was like i need to leave i need to leave now and, and um i asked him just to let me pack in three days and i was gone and i went to my friend's place um it was horrible honestly i was so terrified because it's like you losing a family yeah. away from a family so I was all alone and thanks God I had friends to support me and yeah and I started getting back to life. I went at that time I had no visa. I had to renew my visa and it was it costed me so much money and I had to go to Malaysia and mm -hmm. it was on the like it was also on the nerve of this breakup and uh, all my stuff and living on a couch kind of thing and not having anything, no income, nothing and no visa and they asked me to pay 10,000 kwai for the visa and also Malaysia and I was I remember I had to leave my last day was 1st of January so on the night of New Year's night everybody is celebrating and I got myself you know self-promote so I was doing body art mm -hmm. for free just for like interest of sake of art so we're painting 4 a.m. I'm totally I'm like alone people whom I lived with in the apartment they were all gone for holidays mm -hmm. and I'm all alone buying noodles in 7-Eleven on 1st of January, getting the noodles. My flight to Malaysia is like at 11. So I went, I took a shower and I was, I still remember it so clearly. I was sitting on the bed with noodles, eating them and I was fine, you know, I was like, okay, I was finally okay. It was not terrifying me that much. I was like, it's all right. Like, uh, 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 okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I ate those 
first January noodles, New Year noodles, went to sleep. The next day I went to Malaysia and I was, because of like low on budget, I had to ask, it was my first time experiencing couch surfing. Mm-hmm. I didn't know who the guy was, nothing. He seemed to be okay on the profile and uh, I didn't know he was Muslim. Uh, I have nothing against that, but I kind of was afraid because I had never in like anything to do with people of this religion, especially from Malaysia. I've never been like I didn't know anything. Just a completely so scared. New, yeah. yeah and I didn't know couch. that. Yeah. So I'm going to. I'm flying to Malaysia, and I'm like, good airline. Everything was fine. I'm like, first of January, Malaysia. Yay! I'm single. Ooh. So I was like, okay, I'm going to get my visa, and I have two passports, one old and one new. Yeah. Uh, and I'm coming into flying late, and he's taking like meeting me in the airport, and he mm-hmm. says, "I ordered us an Uber." I'm like, okay. He's taking me in an Uber, and he's talking to the driver as it's like, "Hey, this and that," and I'm like, "This is sex trafficking." <laughs> sex trafficking! Oh my god! Like because they were so like buds, you know, talking yeah, and like stuff, they were friends. and driving. He's like, "We live far away from like an airport. I hope it's okay." And they keep talking, and I'm like, "Sex trafficking! Oh my god!" And they're bringing me. So he just lived far away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know that because like you'll get in your head and you'll be like, "Well, if this is how I'm gonna die. Like this person's gonna kidnap me because I yeah. said I would stay in an Airbnb, and now now I'm dead." Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So and he. He turned out to be such a good guy and we made friends and I learned that just in Malaysia they have this thing grab and they talk a lot like the driver comes and they just like share some stuff food and they talk and it's just their culture part of their culture so I came to his place he is an animator of the Malaysian cartoon it's called like two kids it's very famous turned out to be and he sneaked me at night to their studio because they work a lot at night. Yeah. And uh, he showed me the way of animation process of this cartoon, which Malaysia oh. is going crazy about. I was like, oh my god! So you see, kind of failure, but not right. I got, yeah. I got that. I think that's and, a slight better stuff than yeah. sex trafficking would have been. Exactly. Yeah, a little bit better. So, but the next day I had to meet the visa agent, and um, I'm giving him my passport, and I had flights to Lankavi on my other passport right so I'm like it's gonna work it's cool he's taking my passport and he says no I'm like what do you mean no it was in the lobby of hotel it's like dark and shit but <clears throat> sorry <laughs> it was not actually it was a, like it's legit I, I'm, I'm fine it's just the way they do it yeah to protect their business so he's like no I'm like what do you mean no he's like no no stamp like what no stamp he's like no entry stamp oh so like, he needed to rather Passport. Yeah, he's like, you need, and I'm like, I have it in another one, but I need it to go to like Kavi. And he's like, you need to transport that stamp into another passport. So I'm spending a day, I'm going to the airport. Airport, uh, meeting a guy from, because I'm used to crew, I'm like constantly meeting them. And yeah. then I'm walking into this uh, highway, and there is this uh, room with uh, like a, a building for pilots there are pilots smoking i'm like and i was you know it's ridiculous muslim country and i was wearing a bright red like combo girly summer thing with yeah. the shirts and stuff and i'm like shoulders open and i'm so romantic red <laughs> color red like shouting like kidnap me now so, so i'm coming to this guys and i'm like i need to get to that building and they said it's 40 minute walk down the highway I'm like 
but it's right there. He's like, this is like our area. You cannot go there. Here's where I was like, mm, I'm in a red dress here. We're pretty. Can you please let me? <laughs> and the guy was like, mm, okay. So the pilots brought me in. I talked to the pilots. They told me about their life while we were walking. Yeah. It was cool. So they, I, anyway, they sent me to another place. I had to put the stamp in my passport. And the next day, I had to give it back to the guys. And um, at that time, I didn't want to stay anymore with my host because he was super far and um, a bit like... Uh, he's Muslim, he prays uh, five days a week and he had five days... Five, five times, times a day. Five times a day, yeah. And he had to sleep on the floor because he was so nice to give me his room. Aww. And I was like, oh, I cannot do it. He was super nice, like yeah. really cool guy. And we would walk around and he would go into pray rooms. And I was like, this is an interesting experience. I'm like literally waiting for the guy just to pray. Okay, cool. <laughs> like, yeah. maybe I should pray too, just to my God or whatever <laughs> I'm doing there. So... Yeah, and he gave me contacts of uh, best, uh, I guess it's the best hostel in my life in Malaysia. He introduced me to that hostel. I met there a great photographer, guy who has fantastic uh, Instagram stuff he does. Yeah. And um, I, I had to, so I ended up not going to Langkawi because of both of my passports were gone. So <laughs> my flights were gone. I had to change the flight to Shanghai later. But... While being in there, the in the in KL Kuala Lumpur, mm-hmm. uh, I learned something. I think I stopped planning my life. I really stopped. When people ask me question, where do you see yourself in five years? I had I, I have like no, don't ask me this question. Yeah, like, I'm not going to answer this. You have no idea how much life is unpredictable when you're not planning it. Mm-hmm. And when I'm looking back. I would never plan that stuff which happened to me for my last years if I would be planning it. Mm. So I was planning small and none mm-hmm. of those plans happened and all opposite stuff happened. So I'm like, no, I'm not. So I'm you're saying sure. I shouldn't ask you right now what's your plan for the next <laughs> five <laughs> years? No. <laughs> well, my only plan is to be happy. Okay. Yeah, really. So yeah. I, I have like probably a thousand questions, but I guess my, my biggest question is, is that sort of, there's some really obvious moments there. It feels like things were not exactly going how you wanted them to. Um, I don't want to call them failures because mm-hmm. you didn't, but some really obvious moments where Absolutely. like life was maybe putting up some brick walls. Is that like, so what's your takeaway from that? How do you, is... I guess you got there on your own with like not planning, but is that sort of what you learned from like he, so many ups and downs and walls and not getting sex trafficked? <laughs> I learned, first of all, not to freak out. I used to freak out. Like if something would go wrong, like with that burning uh, wax yeah. thing, uh, running around, I would be like crying and falling and be like, oh my God, this is the end of my life. And you know, and because it was so repetitive that my psychological part of me learned finally that I'm not gonna die from this. I'm not gonna end up on the street because I'm not gonna end up on the street, you yeah. know? So I learned not to freak out. I learned not to plan detailed things and be open to whatever and not to have too many expectations because the more expectations you have, the more disappointed you get. Mm-hmm. So I think these are the main things I got. 
And it's actually so cool to have these things in your life. Because yeah. life would be so, my life would be so boring if all this crap didn't happen to me. Yeah. Really. Like, well, it would certainly be Certainly not boring now. I don't know, I don't know if it would be boring. It would just be slightly less captivating. <laughs> I know, we've both been just like staring and listening this whole time. No, yeah, it wouldn't necessarily be boring, but it certainly wouldn't be the story that it is now. Which I is... wouldn't be here, I guess. I, I mean, I wouldn't be painting. I probably yeah. would be working somewhere. Monday to Friday, and which scares me personally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, now that you've, you know, as you said, you've stopped planning or thinking like, well, where am I going to be in three or um, or five years? And it, it, it seems like just now compared to kind of when you first quit your job, you're, you seem more all right with not having structure. Mm-hmm. Like, how have you adjusted now to, to being a full-time freelancer and kind of has it been hard to accept the lack of structure in your life very hard i'm still thinking that i'm failing a lot in every day because of not having a structure because when i have a plan at least a little bit of plan i usually can then fit the rest of my own will plans but when you're all relaxed it's like you know it's like oh i'm gonna just sleep till 11 or i'm just gonna meditate for only five minutes instead of 10 or it's like it, you fall out of certain plan of the day mm-hmm. which i was used to before and i'm pretty organized in general even though my life sounds like a mess but it's really yeah, no, um i'm looking for projects um still kind of i feel like i'm still getting into this loop of being a freelancer looking for projects i've just finished one art project which was 30 paintings ended up 39 because i went over the edge of creativity <laughs> and it's gonna be an exhibition in the opener in Pudong. there will be a gallery oh. a collective it's a very cool thing. Great. Yeah, and uh, so I finished that. Then I did art residency in Shenzhen just now. I came back on Monday. Um, what was what was that like? How long were you in Shenzhen for? Uh, I would like to be longer. Uh, I've been only three weeks because uh, today is the last day of April when I have to move apartments. And uh. believe it or not, still a mess because I have nowhere to go. But I still have where to go. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I'm not, it's not... It's not, in fact, my place. I'm house-sitting, kind of. Oh, yeah, okay. For now. Um, so I feel now. like many of the things that you've said, just because I've been in China for so long, I'm saying, like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, like, right? you have nowhere to go, but you, like, have somewhere to go. But you have yeah. nowhere to go, but, like, you have to go to Malaysia to get your visa. Like, I'm like, yeah, that's normal. Like, <laughs> those all, like, make sense. Yeah. I feel like if you haven't lived in China, I'm looking at the microphone as though it hasn't lived in China, um, <laughs> then you might be less familiar with some of these things. But I'm like, oh, right. Like, when you have to move out, but you're really just, like, house-sitting for someone but like of course like so right you don't have an apartment but you just see like any of your friends who are leaving for yeah. A, yeah. a short amount of time that you can yeah. so, so you're moving like this yeah. weekend yes today tonight <laughs> and, okay. it's, 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 and you still took time to do a podcast yeah because you know what i want to be productive even though it's a messy like no structure i'm like the more productive i am in a day the less i, I hate feel myself like we have a very similar brain pattern yeah? of Oh, yeah, like, <laughs> like yes, no, yes. I do understand yeah. that. Like, so and uh, that's why I went to the Shenzhen residency only for three weeks. The cool thing about it is that they give you a place to leave, food, and you paint, and then you 
uh, they exhibit you, promote you, and you share profit when you, where you get only forty percent. But it's fair enough because you like have yeah. nothing else. Uh, they the artists they invite are from all over the world, and mm-hmm. I like I learned a lot from the artists who was there. And um, I came there when it was all quiet. There was no people much. The organizers were away. And only me and that guy from Canada and Chinese uh, residency and everything. But yeah, so I was painting every day, going for dinner, you know, waking up, doing yoga. Finally, when I had this structure, I could wake up, do yoga, meditate. Uh, I'm, I'm not that spiritual yet. I'm thinking, it's just like some structure, yeah. something you would do. And then I would just have, there is no coffee, so I had to go far away to get coffee or just make an instant one, which I don't really like, but I had to. Yeah. And um, I would go to the studio around 11, 12. It's like, oh, so lazy. You slept like till nine or eight. Mm-hmm. Ooh, people wake up at six. But guys, I would work like till midnight. I would work 12 hours, mm. make break for like quick dinner. We would go with this guy, Kevin, artist and go back and paint and paint and paint and I would my mom would call me sometimes and be like what are you doing I'm like I'm painting she's like it's 11 p.m. maybe you need to go to sleep <laughs> and I'm like oh fuck it's 11 you know so it's yeah I realized that actually I'm a hard worker just because I don't hate my job it doesn't yeah. make me a bad, bad human being you know yeah no I mean if you don't like doing something it's way harder to be motivated to yeah, do exactly. it yes for sure Wow, so uh, so you just did that residency. You say you have a, an exhibit coming up. Yeah, so, uh, so one exhibit is coming up in Shanghai in June in Opener. There are going to be a small gallery on the ground so floor. So it's 39 paintings? Yeah. What is the theme? That's the thing. Here is the thing. There were three sizes, uh, 40 to 40, 30 to 30, and 15 to 15. So mm-hmm. everybody could buy work if they like my style. But I don't have a specific style before the art residency, I was painting whatever, you know, I was painting landscapes, which would be breathtaking for me, I would just paint them, and because it's photorealistic kind of thing, they really are breathtaking, I feel Mm -hmm. like, I'm not self-promoting, I just really like them, Mm -hmm. there are paintings which I hate, but I still have them, Uh, and I was doing uh, black and white um, portraiture, but Mm -hmm. I decided to make it more like, you wouldn't see the face uh, it would be something covered. Either hat would cover the eyes, or hand would cover the mouth, or hair would cover something, so yeah. it wouldn't be open up face. It's something, it's a mystery there. So this is how I say my works are. But uh, yeah, I didn't have any specific, you wouldn't tell that this all are my paintings, because they all are very different. And when I came to the art residency, the guy who is in charge, he's like, I'm not gonna, I, I cannot do it, you have to paint something which looks all the same. Like, I so like I don't like this. Yeah. I like landscapes and I like portraits and I and I made a portrait um, of uh, my boyfriend for his birthday. Um, it was my first one for the realistic one, which was black and white, and I felt like I'm gonna do it and just keep it. I did it, and I had two days of craziness in Shenzhen because I was. I, I, at that point I, pa- I painted like four paintings which I was working on the topic of depression mm-hmm. and I painted them in a different way in different colors, different shapes and the organizer came and he was like I'm not going to exhibit this and I was like no, no I don't have enough time because I had a plan to, mm-hmm. to produce a certain amount of work and then he's, 
like he decided that he said you choose something you really like and produce couple good paintings better than you do 10 of this i still made 10 i still i still did it the <laughs> wow. way i wanted it wow just i had to work more but i wanted you know it's yeah. i really wanted so i did black and white underwater more photorealistic but because i'm slowly moving to photorealism I mm -hmm. feel like I'm still don't have enough skills, but it's all ongoing. You know, yeah. I, I know I'm gonna get there, because I somehow got here. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, um, I did the photos, um, used some photos, mixed them up together, like combined, um, and I added. I decided to make them black and white, and I add just some blue color to the water. So it's one of my, and I realized then that this is what I'm gonna do, black and white. I think after two days of just uh, going crazy, calling to one of my best friends who is an artist, showing him photos, like nervous, yeah. like smoking half of a pack, <laughs> just talking and like, what do you think about this one? Like, you know, it's like almost like it's some trades. And he's like, I love all your work. And I told him, this is not what I need from like, you. This is not just helpful. tell me now what I should do because I, I, I have no time. I need to go paint now. Today I have to finish two. He's like, two? You're kidding me. I'm like, I have no time. I need to finish. So it's like, what's going really crazy. Yeah. And I figured that this is going to be my stuff. Like, yeah, you know, this is what I feel like. Hell yeah. It sounds like you're doing a lot of really, uh, really exciting stuff. So I mean, best of, best of luck with. Yeah, your... I'm, I'm excited. You'll have to, you'll have to let us know. Absolutely. And if you'd like to your... pose, guys, yeah. you're very welcome. Yeah, yeah. that would be great. Well, Definitely. thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, Alina. Sure. This was, yeah, this was really, really fascinating. Yeah, like whole story. Thank that you was for amazing. Writing. Yeah, amazingly, amazingly fascinating stories. Um, yeah, so that's been that's been the failure show. Yeah. Until next time. Yeah.